four on four three three. Baker, Robinson, Roy, Plumley, Radio Falls UK with me. And now it's time to go over to Radioactive. It's just uh, after three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm Mike Channel, and if you've not heard the show before, then uh, join the club, because it's uh, the first time I've had the honour of hosting this particular programme, as my normal peak-time mid-morning show is being hosted currently by uh, the young and uh, ambitious Mike Flex. (laughs) Anyway, it's two minutes past uh, three in the morning, and uh, we're going to take this opportunity of looking at some of the highlights of this, uh, oh, big, big day here on Radio <laughs> Late Night Radio. The Mike Channel Show. Just uh, moving along nicely at this uh, late, late hour. I hope you're having a good time. I'm certainly having uh, a good time as well. (laughs) Okay, well, let's uh, hear now an interview broadcast earlier on today, uh, conducted by the up and uh, ambitious Mike Flex. Well, as you may know, the Winter Olympics are due to take place early next year, and tonight we have with us Britain's number one downhiller, Conrad Bartelski. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. Help you up there. What, what, what are your first memories of actually tumbling down a mountain? Well, I don't know. It's a bit of a blur, really. I was aged about seven. You know, my parents used to take me to the local artificial ski slope, but actually physically lobbed me down the hill. Mm. You know, but gradually, gradually, you know, I grew in confidence and willingly threw myself down, actually. I believe your initial interest was, in fact, skiing. Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. But I soon realised that skiing the first hundred yards and tumbling the rest of the way was a hell of a lot easier. Um, I noticed you used the word tumble, Conrad, but mm-hmm. I, I have heard the criticism levelled against you that you do, in fact, simply career helplessly. No, 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 nonsense. That's nonsense. Perhaps in the early days, but not now. No, no. Uh, Ingmar Stenmark has described the British, if I uh, quote him here, as a bunch of useless clumsy bastards who can't stay on their feet for more than 30 seconds. What do you think of that? Ridiculous. Uh, totally ridiculous. Especially coming from Ingmar. <laughs> I mean, his interpretation of tumbling leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> I mean, he spends most of his time upright. <laughs> I honestly can't remember the last time Ingmar broke every rib in his cage. Mm. How many bones have you yourself broken? Uh, are we talking about uh, broken, clean through, or sort of... Snapped. Snapped, yeah. 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 Well, well, there's uh, my left leg. Uh, and that's been snapped? Yes, yes. On many occasions? Well, you know, as soon as it's ready to be snapped again, I'll snap it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, where do you go from here? Well, it's, it's all downhill from now on, actually. <laughs> I, I said it's, it's all downhill. Yes, yes, I heard Well, the longest trial in British legal history came to an end today, and the person who saw it come to its uh, end was Nigel Pry. Nigel Pry in a hushed courtroom, we're all expectant, and yes, keep quiet at the back. Sorry, me, keep quiet, yes. In a hushed courtroom, coming up big, the trial ending as the jury returns a verdict now. 
No, the jury returns now a verdict from them when seated up. And as I speak, it's an increasingly expectant and excited last warning at the back. Silence, a must-have. The court rising, the foreman. Judge, have you reached foreman? We have. Judge, what? And now is your verdict all on the foreman? Eyes the moment waiting, guilty or not. And it's judge, gavel, bang, expel man from back of court. And all now ushers, black gowns, and the verdict is out of the courtroom. Nigel Pry. <laughs> has been joined by the famous actress Elspeth Tyler, who has uh, followed in the footsteps of other, uh, oh, big, big Hollywood stars and uh, just opened in a play in the West End of London. Elspeth. Hello, Michael. Uh, um, <clears throat> now, although you've made over uh, 400 films, Elspeth, uh, this is in fact the first time you've appeared on stage, isn't it? That's right, Mike. Uh, well, let's uh, start off by hearing an extract that uh, we recorded from the show last night. Damn it! I've got feelings. I've never been treated like this by any louse or bum, and I'm not taking it from you, for Christ's sake. I'm leaving you and the rest of your garbage to stew in your own goddamn stinking garbage juice. Well, uh, powerful stuff, Elspeth, but uh, many of us wondered exactly what it was doing uh, in the middle of St. Joan. <laughs> during my entrance. Now, uh, you also had the play's ending substantially rewritten. Yeah. Uh, when I get to the stake, right, I'm dressed in a simple peasant's robe carried by six page boys. I get a rose pink spotlight on my good side and I turn to the bishop and I sing, Come on, baby, like my fire. He starts to cry. The king sets me free. The crowd goes wild. I get my man and the stand-in gets burned. Turn it to Welcome back. Well, uh, we come now to the first in a new series, which we'll be having every morning at seven and a half minutes past three, uh, in which we ask you listeners to ring up and tell us uh, what your favourite record is. And uh, first up on what I'm calling the, uh, oh, what my favourite record is spot, is uh, David from Castle Coombe. Hello, David. Hello, I'd like to hear anything by uh, Super Trash. Uh, well, that's uh, short and sweet, David. Thanks for your call. And uh, is there anyone you'd like to say hello to? Yeah, to uh, Diane and Deirdre, and tell them not to worry about Uncle Simon. Okay, well, thanks for your call. And to make sure young Timothy doesn't stay up too late. Right, you are. And Paul will be able to pick up Auntie Hilda, but could Deirdre see the Grand Supper? Uh, and if Diane can see Tony tonight, give Gillian a ring to let George know who's going to take Lisa to school on Wednesday. Oh, right. Well, uh, here's Super Trash, then. Oh, and when Sally comes back, tell her Granny Davis is coming out of hospital Friday, so could Uncle Tommy have the car back Thursday night, or drop the keys into George in the afternoon before Sybil goes out the bingo with Glenda and Margaret in the States? <laughs> or else Margaret can get to Reynolds if Dickie isn't seeing Granny Wilkins that night, which she doesn't reckon he is, because it's her bat night. Is that all? No, Mrs. Orkin still can't find the uh, <laughs> So if he turns up around Tony and Sandra's, because uh, she knows the kids are a bit We all fall down. 
was a track from the latest uh, Super Trash album, and uh, <laughs> looking at the album sleeve, I see that the track is actually uh, on the album, <laughs> which uh, I just played. Well, the time uh, going swiftly bye-byes, uh, going by, and uh, let's now hear from our delightful lascivia. Uh, not in person, of course, with a time at eight and three-quarter seconds past three, but uh, earlier today she was given the chance to leave her job behind the counter of the radioactive shop and broadcast her very first news bulletin. Here is some news from Scotland. Yard-long serving members... <laughs> Sorry. Here is some news from Scotland Yard. Long-serving members of the police force were today involved in a hunt for four masked bank robbers and their ringleader, apparently Sir Kenneth Newman. <laughs> Is offering assistance to the local police force a good idea? Not really. <laughs> a hunt for four masked bank robbers and their ringleader. Apparently, Sir Kenneth Newman is offering assistance to the local police force. A good idea, not really recommended for younger listeners, though, is to tackle the gang. And finally, several illegal immigrants were arrested in the street earlier today. And stripped to the waist as usual, Jan Leeming will have the details in the morning. <laughs> but now it's time for our agony phone-in programme, so it's goodbye from me, radioactive jingle. <laughs> So it's goodbye from me. Radioactive. Hello, and today we're dealing with the problems of agoraphobia. If you're wanting any advice, then why not give us a ring now? And in the studio just across from me, ready to answer your calls, is our resident doctor. Good morning. Uh, Mr. Colin Collingdale, chairman of the Agrophobic Society. Hello. And Mrs. Dorothy Bliss, secretary to the assistant chairman of the Agrophobic Society. Uh, good morning. Mr. Jonathan Dick, the legal advisor to the society. Hello. Mr. Ralph Tinney, the treasurer of the society. Hello. Uh, Lord and Lady Farrah Fitzwater principal patrons of the society and their family John Graham Paul and Deborah Farrell Fitzwaller uh, the right the, the right honourable Geoffrey Weedle head of the board of governors Good morning. and the board of governors Good morning. Uh, Mr John Guthridge has spoken for the 36 remaining members of the Agrophobic Society and the 36 remaining members of the Agrophobic Society and they're all in the studio waiting to answer your calls if you have any problems concerning agoraphobia. So, um, are, are you all comfortable in there? Yes. Good, good. Well, well not too squashed. Good, because, uh, because I'm afraid I've just heard over my headphones that our telephonist is off sick today, so we can't take any incoming calls. I listen to my radio. 
We listen to our radio. We take it everywhere we go. We always listen to the My Channel Show. It's the happy time of 11 minutes past three, and uh, at about this time yesterday afternoon, we broadcast a deeply sensitive autobiographical study of one man's psychiatric problems and how he came to terms with them, entitled, Hey, Look at Me, I'm Bonkers. <laughs> and that was followed by our weekly look at the world of cinema. The success of Richard Attenborough's award-winning film about the life of Gandhi has been largely attributed by experts to Richard Attenborough's pronunciation of the title Gandhi. And as a result, we hear that Walt Disney productions are to re-release their 1930s classic retitled Bambi. <laughs> On television, the BBC will be rerunning their popular children's show to be renamed Andy Pandy. <laughs> And at Pinewood Studios, work will start next month on the remake of the British film, Sandy Bloody Sandy. <laughs> on late night radio. Repeat after three. Well, there's uh, so much for that. Uh, <clears throat> Well, despite the uh, recent reshuffle here at Radioactive, uh, Anna Dapta has managed to uh, cling on to her midday show, whilst uh, some other DJs have had to make do with broadcasting at a rather less prestigious hour. It's uh, 14 minutes past three in the morning. Uh, so let's now hear the extract from Anna's apparently popular programme. Hello. With me now is Dr. Evelyn Scott, a professor of psychology, who's recently completed a study of humour and whose findings are now published in this book entitled The Joke. Yes, well, I concluded that basically there are three types of joke in the world. Yes, and they are... They are firstly the jeu de mots, or play-on-word sort mm -hmm. of joke. Yes, that's like uh, my wife's gone to the West Indies, uh, Jamaica. No, she went of her own accord, is it? Sorry? <laughs> My wife's gone to the West Indies. Jamaica? No, she went of her own accord. <laughs> that sort of joke. She went of her own accord? Yes. Did Jamaica? No, she went of her own accord. Did Jamaica? Where's that? <laughs> no, sorry. Perhaps it's the way I'm telling it. No, no, no. Example of what I mean is uh, the joke about a man going into a baker's and asking for a loaf of bread. Uh, the baker saying, do you want brown or white? And the man saying, I don't mind. <laughs> Do you see? <laughs> that sort of joke. Yes, it's very funny. Uh, what about the second category, then? Uh, well, the second sort of joke is based on the comedy of ideas, mm -hmm. the idea of something being funny. Mm, I see. Uh, my mother-in-law's so fat that when she walks down the street, all the weighing machines jump back into the chemists. Is she? I'm so sorry to hear about that. <laughs> uh, no, that was the joke. Oh, no, weighing machines can't jump. They're great big heavy things. <laughs> Yes, I, I mean, I really no, if you could just return it. to the subject of humour for a moment. Uh, the <laughs> final category is the slapstick joke, the comedy of the banana skin, as someone once called it. Ah, a man walking along and slipping over a banana skin. Where? <laughs> no, I was giving it as an example again. Slipping over on a banana skin? Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Scott, for talking. Well, well not at all. And from me now, it's goodbye. <laughs> from me now, it's goodbye. Very good. <laughs>
Harry. Hello, June. I've just, I've just popped round with little Timmy. He isn't very happy. How can you tell? Because he's crying, June. How do you know that? Because I can hear him, June. Oh, yes. I think it's because of his rash. I can't seem to get rid of it. Ah, what you need are cutie, cosy, continental comfy pads. Cutie, cosy, continental comfy pads? Cutie, cosy, comfy pads keep baby comfy clean all day long. Oh, how do they do that, June? Cutie, cosy, comfy pads go squeezy, wheezy, comfy, easy, coo. Go what, June? Coochie wheezy, cuddly swaddly, googly boogly boo, scoozy goozy. If you want the best, then just say cutie cozy comfy pad. Slow belly, Advertise on Channel 4. Repeat after three. Mm. Welcome, Rest. Uh, welcome back. Um, it's uh, 14 minutes to Betty Buys and uh, time for our, uh, oh, exciting big weekly serial broadcast live this afternoon. We present the penalty mate ep the penal time at penal the last but one episode of the murder of James Llewellyn Jones Pursuing the murderer of an unidentified and horribly mutilated corpse, Inspector Jefferson and Sergeant Black have traced a size 11 boot left by the body to the shop of Reuben Goldberg who has sent them to Dr. Alistair McGregor who has been shot. <laughs> oh. Dr. McGregor's been shot, Inspector. Yes. Does anyone else live in this house, Sergeant Black? Uh, no. There's only a Mrs. Anderson, his housekeeper, who comes in once every week, sir. Anything special about her? Not that I know, oh, except she has one eye, size 11 feet, a large birthmark in the shape of a croissant. <laughs> and always takes a hunting rifle with her wherever she goes. One eye, size 11 feet, a birthmark in the shape of a croissant, and takes a hunting rifle with her wherever she goes. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I think uh... we'll pay a visit to Mrs. Anderson. All right. Now, let's take it nice and slowly, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Mrs. Anderson, I'm Sergeant Black. This is Inspector Jefferson. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's about Dr. McGregor, Mrs. Anderson. You see, I'm afraid he's been murdered. You see, I'm afraid he's been murdered. <laughs> oh, how terrible. But why should anyone want to murder Dr. McGregor? He was so kind, gentle and generous. I understand you always carry a hunting rifle, Mrs. Anderson. Aye, that's right. It was used to murder Dr. McGregor. Used at the point bank range that only someone with one eye would need to fire from. <laughs> you. No. Yes. No. You murdered him for his boots. No. You've got the same size feet. Aye, but... You killed him. Oh, all right, I killed him. Then why? Ask. Yes. Ask. Yes. Ask Reuben Goldberg! 
Ruben Goldberg, but Inspector, he's the person who used to... person who sent us to Dr. McGregor in the first place. Why? Why? There's no time to explain. No. Just remember that I'm the inspector and you're the sergeant. Uh, and she's the one-eyed housekeeper who murdered Dr. McGregor. I think. Listen again next week to the exciting final. Installment. Well, it's uh, early morning here on Radioactive, and that was our regular cereal, which uh, makes it our early morning cereal. (laughs) Early morning cereal. Okay, well, uh, we're having a time here tonight of uh, 20 past three. I know you're having a good time, and I'm certainly having... 21 past three, Big Hand just moved on, and another chance to hear now. Well, one of the most dynamic groups, uh, um, it's a snoo, a snee, a scoot. Uh, well, here's one of their records. I said you go cause I was plastered She said not till now you sweet talking bastard And then an old flame up in Kilburn We found the flies of love that still burn We shared some laughs, we shared some loving Now she has got a bun in the oven I chatted up some good in Deptford Just smiled and put my best foot forward Although I never got to date her She sure surprised me when I met her nine months later I met some twins who lived in Fulham And better mates that I could pull them I took them out and in an instant Both of the girls plus their mother felt pregnant She had an epidural And that's the reason I feel rough now All of the girls I've ever known Are up the duff now I quit work at the deli Stayed home and watched the telly I saw Liza Minnelli And Dallas with Miss Ellie Matthew and Henry Kelly Although I think they're smelly I switched off all the shelly And ate some vermicelli I met my girlfriend Ellie took precautions, I gave them a false name The effort wasn't really worthwhile I guess I'm just extremely fertile And that is why I'm such a cynic These days I'm always up the antenatal clinic Twenty-five past. Uh, flex again. Uh, 
<laughs> yes, indeed. Right now, it's uh, time for Mike Flex's top ten teasers. Playing it today on the line, we have Ron Ford from Stanmore. Uh, no, it's Stanmore from Romford, actually. <laughs> OK, now, as you know, all you have to do is answer ten simple questions and you win yourself a lunch, a holiday, a house, a yacht and a radioactive T-shirt. Ready, Stan? Yeah. Here we go, then, with today's top ten teasers. Top ten teasers! Right, question one. There have been several British ladies' champions at Wimbledon. What was the surname of Anne... Jones and Jones. No, I'm sorry, what was the surname of Anne Inventor... James Watt, the inventor of the steam engine. Question two. Tom Jones was famous in the 1960s as a... Singer. No, a book by Henry Fielding. <laughs> Question three. Name his first number one record. Who, Henry Fielding? And now I'm afraid Tom Jones' first number one was It's Not Unusual, and not as you said, Who, Henry Fielding. <laughs> Question four is a picture. Question, who painted this? What? No, it was Constable. What was an inventor, not a painter? <laughs> Question five. What is a cassowary? Oh, uh, a flightless bird. And no, what is an inventor? I'm surprised you didn't get that. We had it twice already. <laughs> No, I was just clearing my throat. Ready for question six? Yes. No, wrong. Ready is the answer to question seven. What was the question? No, what was the answer to question five and two? Question eight, what was... An inventor. The inventor of the steam engine. Let me finish a question, please. What was the film in which Humphrey Bogart played a character called Rick? Ah, Casa. No, not Cass. It was Casablanca. I'm finished. Well, it wasn't Cassowary either, I'm afraid. Question nine. <laughs> Where does the name Bowie Knife come from? From Jim Bowie, hero of the Alamo. No, I'm sorry, it comes from knife, a sharp instrument often used to cutting up food. <laughs> and finally, question ten, who is the inventor of the steam engine? What? I'm sorry, I can't repeat it, Stan, any idea, no idea, what a shame, bad luck, and I'm afraid that's the top ten teasers for me. I'm one for another year, thank you very much for playing Ron Dry Carefully, back to Stan Moore. Well, it's uh, very nearly time for me to nod off, uh, sign off, but uh, first, here's... Uh... Uh, yes, it's very nearly time for me to sign off, but first, uh, it's, uh, ten, 28 minutes past, uh, I'm, uh, okay, so, uh, so let's hear, um, Radioactive was performed by Helen Atkinson Wood, Angus Deaton, Jeffrey Perkins, Philip Pope, and Michael Fenton Stevens. Music was by Philip Pope and Steve Brown. And the program was written by Angus Deaton and Jeffrey Perkins, with additional material from John Cantor, Murray Hunter, John Doherty, Roger Plainer, and Richard Curtis. And the producer was Jamie Ricks. say goodbye to those listeners who leave us for their own programmes on Radio 4. Radio! Radio!